Our scripture reading today is John 18, verse 33 to 37. It's on page 8 in your worship folder. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're excited to continue our series on who is Jesus. And again, it is weighty to think through how we all come with our perceptions and our understandings of who Jesus is, what he has done. Is he real? If he is real, is everything that happened true? And so as we come into this, we come on sacred ground. We come uh, with trepidation, but with courage, knowing that it is Jesus who is actually calling us to discover himself, that he is the one who is saying, this is who I am. Know me and know of me. Learn from me. And so we come here today to do that again. And we are grateful that you are all with us. Let me pray. Father, we ask that these words be your words. We ask that today you be lifted up, Jesus, that your name is on high and that we know who you are. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, tomorrow in Western Australia, you know, though, that we have a holiday. And we have a holiday because we're celebrating the Queen's birthday. Now, it's actually not the Queen's birthday. The Queen's birthday is actually in May. But we in Western Australia don't celebrate the Queen's birthday in May because we already celebrate Western Australia Day. And so because we celebrate Western Australia Day in May, which is also during the King's birthday, we knew we couldn't have two Mondays off kind of in a row. But we didn't want to lose that Monday. So we definitely wanted to celebrate the queen in some way by having a holiday. So we've scheduled it for tomorrow. So we celebrate the queen's birthday tomorrow here in Western Australia. But in June, on the second day of June, back in 1953 in Westminster Abbey, Queen Elizabeth II was coronated. She had her coronation that happened there. And during that service, Elizabeth herself took an oath. She was anointed with holy oil. She, invests, she was invested with robes and regalia. And she was crowned queen of the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka. It was a big, huge event. The first time it had ever been televised. If you go back and you YouTube it, you'll see pomp and circumstance like you would not believe. It was crazy. It was also the first time that it was televised because, you know, television was just kind of coming into its own at that point. And if you are to believe the Netflix series, The Queen, you understand that there was a lot of discussion on whether it should be televised or not and what parts of it should be televised. 
but it allowed people all over the world to see this pomp and circumstance, this lifting up of this 25-year-old woman to be queen. Amazing. People watched and they wondered, could she do it? Was she going to be able to do it? What would happen to the kingdom with her leading? Now, we don't really experience queens and kings the way that they experienced kings back when Jesus was asked this by Pilate. Uh, The queen, in fact, is just our head of state, right? That's who she is. She doesn't really have much power at all. She has some, but she sits there and we see her and we recognize her and, and, you know, we give her honor. But it's not the same where the the king in that day had all power, had all might, had the ability to do whatever they wanted to do, whenever they wanted to do it, however they wanted to do it. And so it's interesting that Pilate would say, are you a king? Like they say that you are. What's also interesting that we find out in the biographies that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that they, they very much are sort of taking God and they're taking him to go right against the empire. You see, Octavius was known as the son of God, the light of the world, the one who would bring peace to all of Rome and all the places that Rome touched. And yet they ascribe those things to Jesus and say, this is who Jesus is. And when Jesus begins to walk in those ways and himself say, I am the light of the world. I am the son of God. The Romans couldn't help but hear what he was saying, that there was something going on and there might be a rebellion that was about to take place. But more than that, because we'll get to Jesus the revolutionary. Right now we're talking about Jesus being more than a king. It was the Jews that were listening to him, that were hearing him say those things, that began to wonder, is this the Messiah? Is this the king of the Jews? Is this the king of Israel who's going to kick these Romans out of here, who's going to set up his domain, who's going to say, I am now the king, we are now free, we are God's people, and we've taken everything back over that's ours, and this is what it is. That was the assumption as they heard him say, I am the light of the world. And they began to wonder. What will it be like when he ascends to the throne? When we have our coronation for our king? But this is what Jesus says about his kingdom. When he had his coronation, when Jesus said, I'm going to start my ministry, we look at Luke 4, 16 through 21, and he says this. Jesus says, and he came into Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor Let's see if that helps I was hearing myself over and over again it was very freaky 
And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's not what they would expect. But maybe more importantly, as he's quoting here from Isaiah, it was the scroll of Isaiah. And so unlike kangaroos who can't go backwards, we ought to go backwards to Isaiah. So, so let's go to Isaiah 61. I want to read the whole chapter so you can hear what Jesus is saying is his coronation. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the, to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend their flocks. Foreigners shall be their plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in the glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I am faithfully given, give them their recompense. And I am making an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of these people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring of the Lord has blessed I will greatly rejoice in the Lord is the response. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as gardens cause what is sown to sprout it up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. When, when Jesus starts his, his ministry, when he starts his coronation, he calls to Isaiah and he says, look, I'm here to do something that looks different than what you're expecting a king should be. So when Pilate says, are you a king? He asks him, are you asking that question? He wants to know where it's coming from. And this is Pilate. I like Pilate for this because he says, am I a Jew? Jesus knows he's not a Jew. He says, am I a Jew? I wouldn't ask if you were a king. I don't care if you're a king. I'm king. And Jesus answers him, you say that I'm a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. There's an anticipation that we have when we walk in this way that we think that leaders, that kings are the ones who are going to rule with justice and mercy and truth and forthrightness, that they're going to walk us in the way that will lead us to prosperity and kindness. The problem is, as we begin to define our prosperity as what feels good to us, what takes care of us, what makes us comfortable. In his book, Simply Jesus, 
that talks about Jesus as a king, N.T. Wright says this, We treat our political leaders as heroes and demagogues. They carry our dreams, our fantasies of how things should be. When we find out that they are only human after all, we turn on them, blaming them for the intractable problems that they, like their predecessors, haven't been able to solve. So, why did people think Jesus might be different? See, the Jews were looking at Jesus as this person who says that he's the the light of the world, the, the son of God, that he is the king that is coming. But everything that he does and everything that he says is a different style of king than what they were anticipating. Much like us putting our hopes and our anticipations in those who lead us, thinking that if we just get the right person in office or the right person in the right position, that things will work out, we become very quickly disillusioned. And that's the reason why it's important for us to understand that Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't look anything like this world. So what does that mean? The first thing it means is this, that unlike the world, which lives in a kingdom mentality of power and power by position, meaning if you have the position, then you have the power, right? So you take the position, whether it be by force or whether it be by manipulation or whether it be by being elevated to that position by those that are around you who think, yes, you should be leading us. You gain the position and then in that position, you have power. So then you can sway that power however you want in whatever direction you want. That's the kingdom of the world. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And so what does that mean his power is? Well, we see through his life in the gospels that Jesus looks at power through service. That he says that no one can be higher than his master, but he as the master is the one who washes the feet of his disciples. That he goes out into the highways and byways and finds those who are not going to get him up in the world, but those who have been cast out by the world. He looks to serve all that come to him and says very clearly that it is the least of these that are important. And so Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of power by service. That means that we as those who are wanting to be disciples of Jesus must walk in that way. We don't put our hopes or anticipations in those who have power by position. Yes, we should be part of the process. Yes, we need to be actively involved. But we do not need to put our hope there because our hope rests in service, in working for one another and with one another, looking at the world in a way that Jesus looks at the world and says, this is my kingdom Although I am not of it, I am now in it, and I will make it flourish and grow. The second thing that the world looks at, and in particular the Jews at this time, is they were an understanding that the kingdom would be reestablished. They believed that their kingdom had happened. That back with Abraham, when God called him, he called him to a, a people and to a place which was Israel, and that they were now currently in that land, living in that place. But their kingdom had been decimated. It had been split apart and it had gone into all these different exiles over and over and over again. So their hope in having a Messiah was not for something new. It was actually a reestablishment of what they had. 
The problem with something being reestablished is often it is based on our own assumptions of what it was like. How many of you think in your mind about what it used to be like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago for some of you who are not quite that old or who have lost some of your memory? Do you fantasize about when it was better, those better days? How it used to be? People were so kind and cordial. You could actually hug each other without getting a weird look. Right? We fantasize and we lift up this idea that it was better then than it is now. The Jews were thinking to themselves, Jesus is going to reestablish it exactly the way we want it to be. In our assumptions and what we hold, in how we think it should be, And that's the problem with the kingdom of the world. It's usually based on our desires and our assumptions. Why? Because we understand that the best place to be in the kingdom is in power. So if it matches our expectations, then we are more likely to be the one in power. But Jesus says, I've come to establish a new kingdom. That it is already and has been since the foundation of the world been breaking through, but it will interrupt what is going on in the world and say it is brand new. It is something that is beyond your expectations. That you yourself in all of your wonder cannot hold actually what this kingdom is about. And this kingdom is about the steadfast loving pursuit of the Father for your heart to bring you back into his kingdom, to say, I will hold you, I will make you new. That's the reason why throughout the Gospels and beyond in the epistles, as we look at the life of Jesus and how it sort of fleshes itself out and the people that are following him, he always is talking about being born again. We get tripped up on that. It's because it's new. We're not taking our dead body and bringing it back to life. He's giving us something brand new. The kingdom is beyond our scope of imagination. It's beyond any expectation that we have. But we do know this, that we in our flesh, when we're confronted by what the kingdom really is, we will either have to be transformed by it or we will fight against it because it will challenge our own assumptions. It will move us out of a place of power to a place of service. And as much as we don't want to admit it, we like to be in power. The other thing is this. Now, I know that's not necessarily been true in government for Australia for a little while. But that those who are in power only are there temporarily. Now, there's a particular party here that's been in power for a little bit. I can remember moving here and seeing that the prime minister changes quite a bit very quickly. (laughs) That was a little different. But the kingdom of the world is temporary. It fades away. It doesn't last. That those who might be ruling will be gone. The Roman Empire are just artifacts and historical places that we can go and pay big money. Used to be able to go and pay big money to see. Those things are now past. They're gone. The remnants of them remain maybe in philosophy and understandings and writings that we have, but the reality is they no longer have any power whatsoever. 
But God says through Christ that my kingdom is not of this world. And that means that his kingdom is eternal. It is one that has from the beginning of the world to the end of the world. In whatever time, space sort of thing that means. Because we can't hold the mind of God at all. But he calls us to that kingdom that says it is going to last. And it has begun. God is foretelling it over and over again in the Old Testament scriptures when we see him casting out his vision of what is to come. And Jesus shows up on the scene and says, now the spirit of the Lord is upon me and it has started. It is here. I am the king. My kingdom is one of service. My kingdom is one that is uh, um, new and my kingdom will last forever. It's a little hard for us, though, to think about that, right? That Jesus says the kingdom has started, but the kingdom already was, and the kingdom goes on. See, eternal can also mean that it just doesn't fit into our time-space continuum, our own understanding of what it means. Eternal could mean that it always has been, always will be, and will remain what it is. The interesting thing about it is we kind of understand that, even though we might not get it. You see, because Queen Elizabeth on her coronation, had already been the queen. Like her coronation recognized it. They said, yes, she's the the queen. They gave her all the pomp and circumstance and put the crown on her and did all the beautiful things that they needed to do. But in fact, she became queen on the 6th of February, 1952, when her father passed away. She ascended to the throne at that point. They waited to mourn. And then they said, you are the queen. But she had already been the queen. The same is true about Jesus. When Jesus is asked, are you the king? He he doesn't answer right away. And he even just says to Pilate, you say, I'm a king. But throughout all of his life, through all that he's doing, he's saying, I'm not just the king. I'm much more than the king. I, in fact, am the king of kings. I am the one who has run this universe since its very beginning. I am the one that holds it and keeps it together. I am the one in my goodness and my love for humanity created it, breathed it into being, and caused it to go forward. I am the one who creates and makes all things new, and I have done that in my kingdom. See, Jesus is much more than just a king. And so we don't have to worry about his kingdom fading away. We don't have to worry about his kingdom not meeting our expectations. We should wait in anticipation that it will blow our expectations away, that it will transform our expectations so that we can be aligned to the truth. Oh, and that's the important thing that he says there, right? What am I here for? What am I on about? He says, you say I'm a king for this I was it was uh, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that God has always been king. That God has always been moving in his steadfast love and pursuit for us. That God has been walking and working all along in this world, establishing and bringing his kingdom to be. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he made it new. He brought it out and he makes us new. And so for those of us who live in this world, in our own brokenness, in our lives, Jesus, the King of Kings, he comes to serve us. He comes to bring newness to us. And he comes to bring hope because he never fades away. He remains.
So that's why he is more than just a king. He is the king of kings. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good. And all you do is good. We worship you today. We ask that you pour out and be present. We know that you are here. And so let us hear what you have to say to us. Father, if any words are not your words, we ask that they burn up and they go away. But if they are your words, we ask that they take deep root in our soul so that we can bring you glory and so that we can do your good works. It's in your name we pray. Amen.